Would all the children like to get up and go with Miss Crystal? I am sorry, we, we didn't have children's service this morning, and uh, I forgot to dismiss the kids. So all the kids can get up and uh, meet uh, Miss Crystal there in the back of the sanctuary. Got a couple of helpers back there. Whoop, we got, we got kids going every which direction. Whoop, we're coming up here for children's sermon. You come for children's sermon. I'm sorry. Do you know, do you know the song Jesus Loves Me? Do you? Why don't we sing that for the people for children's sermon? That'd be okay? Okay, here we go. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Here we go. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Thank you for coming up and have children's sermon with me. Thank you. Okay, you want to meet Miss Crystal in the back? What do you do? That was so awesome. So awesome. Wow, yeah, sermon number two this morning. But next week, we'll begin a series on the prayers of Jesus. Pastor Adam is actually going to do the introduction to this on kind of a general overview of what prayer is. And then for the next 11 sermons, we're going to look at 11 prayers our Lord offered up to the Father. And I, I think it, it's going to be a great journey for all of us. I know it uh, selfishly, it certainly is for, for myself and, and Adam, we're excited about it. And, and I thought about this quite some time ago. I thought, you know, if I really want to know the heart of a person, I would want to know what they pray like. I, it, it would seem appropriate that in a person's prayers, you would sense in a profound way what's really on the heart of that person and what better way to connect with our Savior than to see how he prayed. We'll progressively move through the Gospels in a chronological order. We'll end up at the cross and uh, where we'll hear his three final prayers from the cross. So, uh, and that'll take us to Advent. You know, Christmas is right around the corner, don't you? Everybody excited? Boy, I can't hardly stand it, can you? <laughs> but today... Today, we are at the, uh, the crescendo of Habakkuk, this prophet who was struggling. And we have talked much about, so simply for overview, Habakkuk had some very, very clear questions for God. And as I have continued to, to encourage you to be honest with God, I shall do that also again this morning. Be honest with him. If you've got a question, ask him. If you got a complaint, offer it to him. It's okay. If you're angry, tell him about it. He is a big God. And he can take our questions and our doubts and our, our, even our fears. 
And what a beautiful thing that we can give those to the Lord. And he cares. He cares. So Habakkuk spent the first two chapters in filing his complaint and listening to God's answer. And quite honestly, he wasn't real satisfied with the answers he was getting. But he ends chapter 2 with these, with this verse. And I think that, that it's important that we look at this because it really is the segue that, that drives him, compels the prophet to burst forth in this song of praise. And the verse is this. No matter what's going on, no matter how dark it is, no matter how much violence is, appears to be in rule, no matter how rampant sin is, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Now, where do you go from there? You just keep going up. You just keep going up. So in this final chapter, we're going to call it the grand finale, a doxology, a musical form. Actually, the whole book's in musical form, by the way. First two chapters are in the form of a dirge a very haunting, almost funeral song. And this last one really changes format and pace. The prophet had filed his complaint over the rampant unchecked sin in his country. His amazement that God was going to use Babylon to judge his people. And, and these were offered in this dirge. And by the way, parts of Habakkuk were found, almost the whole book was found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, that was one of the books that was uh, uh, contained in that discovery. Chapter 3, the culmination and climax resulting from spending intimate time with the Lord. We'll watch the prophet go from the valley of distress to the mountaintop of praise. Let's stand at the reading of God's Word. Habakkuk chapter 3. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to Shigoanath. O Lord, I have heard the report of you, and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Taman and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His splendor covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light rays flashed from his hand and there he veiled his power. Before him went pestilence and plague followed at his heels. He stood and measured the earth he looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of Cushan in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers or your indignation against the sea? When you rode on your horses, on your chariots of salvation, you stripped the sheath from the bow, calling for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. The raging waters swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hands on high. The sun and moon stood still in their place at the light of your arrows as they sped at the flash of your glittering spear. You marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. You went out before the salvation of your people for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. This is an exciting God. Amen? You pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as to devour the poor and secret. You trampled the sea with your horses and the surging of mighty waters. 
I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of the Lord to come upon the people who invade us. I got to pause and talk about that passage for just a minute. Look at all the noise uh, that, that Habakkuk's making. His body is trembling. His lips are quivering. Rottenness enters his bones. In other words, his bones are just giving out. My legs tremble. In other words, my knees are knocking. And yet I will quietly wait for the Lord. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor the fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places to the choir master with stringed instruments. Hallelujah. Father, we pray that you would bless the reading of your word today. Bring understanding to our hearts. Draw us near to you. I pray, Father, that during our time together, during these closing moments, we will get a glimpse, just a glimpse of your glory and your majesty and your might and your power. You alone are God, and we worship you with all of our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. This shagoanath is a musical term. Uh, referring to style. It's not a person, it's not content, it's referring to a style. And as you can see, it is a song of praise, of high praise. So the first thing we want to look at is one of the key verses of this chapter, Habakkuk's prayer for mercy. How many of you need mercy? Come on, everybody get your hand up. <laughs> we all need mercy. And, and Habakkuk knows that judgment is coming. He knows that you see what God's going to do when he, when he arrives. And Habakkuk says, I know that all this is going to happen. I know that Babylon is coming. They're going to they're take charge. They're going to conquer Israel to the north. Then they're going to come south, and they're going to conquer Judah, and they're going to be thrown into exile. Seventy years, your people are going to be out of the land, and then you're going to show up. Let me tell you, when God shows up, things happen. Things happen. But Habakkuk says, in your wrath, remember mercy, God's plan for Judah, and the judgment of Babylon left the prophet in awe. That's a great word, and we use it way too much and way too lightly. Awe, A-W-E. God's plans beyond human understanding. God's preeminence beyond comprehension. Habakkuk left in a state of fear, and he prays for both might and mercy. And these are the only requests in this chapter. Revise us, Lord, in our time, in your years, which translated literally, now, Lord, revive us. Why don't we pray that more often? Now, Lord, revive us in this time of darkness, in this time of despair, in this time of struggle, in these times of unknown. Revive us, oh God. And by the way, revival's for the church. Revival can only apply to the saved. 
Revival is not something that the unsaved can even experience. Revival is the people of God getting excited about the person of God and proclaiming him to be God over all, in all, through all, to the glory of God. Amen. It's God's people getting cranked up on fire, burning with passion. That's revival. And then people get saved because of it. People get saved because of that. But Habakkuk takes us on this journey. And he begins with a history lesson to illustrate God's power. From his prayer for mercy to, point number two, God's majestic presence. God's majestic presence. And he uses this reminder from the past in verses 3 through 15. In his vision, Habakkuk pictures the Lord coming in judgment. But he does so by using images from Israel's past. God came from Timon, from Mount Paran. He allowed pestilence and earthquakes, Exodus 12, 30, and 19. He caused the land of Midian to tremble, Exodus 15. God parted the Red Sea and the Israelites walked through, Exodus 14. God caused the sun and the moon to stand still in a victory at Gibeon, Joshua 10. God brought forth the salvation of his people from Pharaoh, Exodus 14. These divine interventions must have resonated with Habakkuk's audience. The images reminded them that this is a God of Moses that we're talking about. The God that came in fire, the God that rested on Mount Sinai with the cloud and the covering. Guys, brothers and sisters, friends, we've lost this concept of a mighty and awesome and fearful God. All powerful. The one who created all that is out of nothing, hung the stars in space and calls them each by name. This is the God that we serve. What is there that he cannot do? What is there that he cannot provide? What is there about God that will fall short of any expectations that we have? God is sufficient. God is sufficient. He reflects on God's timely arrival when he came to Taman and the Holy One from Mount Paran. As God came down to his people at Sinai to establish his covenant with them, listen, people of God, he also came to establish a covenant with us, and he did that through the blood of his very own son. He established a new covenant with us. He said in, Genesis, or in, in Exodus, I've heard the cries of my people, and I have come down to rescue them. Well, listen, that's the story of Christ. That's the story of Christ. He has heard our cries. He has come down to rescue us. God's timely arrival, God's glorious appearance, his splendor covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. The brightness was like the light, rays flashed from his hand and there he veiled his power before him went pestilence and plague, followed at his heels. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. And I saw the tents of Cushan and affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. At Sinai, God came like an awesome thunderstorm, sweeping down from the mountainous region of the south. His glory covered the heavens. The sun and the the moon appeared pale in comparison. God's shimmering glory not only filled the heavens, but his praise filled the earth. Hallelujah. 
This is our God. This is our God. His radiance is both emanating and concealed. And what I mean by that, it reveals his glory but veils his awesome power. So God's power is literally hidden in his glory. It's the amazing truth about our God. His revelation has to be restrained to some degree because we could not survive full exposure. We'd literally come apart and die if God will reveal to himself, reveal himself in all of his glory. Moses wanted to see God, what God allow. Well, I'll let you see my backside as I pass by. And I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock so you'll be safe as I pass by. That's the glory of God. Folks, we have to recapture the God of the Bible, not this God that we have made in our own image, not this God that we have conformed to our own will. We need to recapture the God of Scripture, this awesome, glorious, powerful, majestic, oh, incredible God. We need to meet him once again, the one that caused the earth to tremble, the one that caused the heavens to shake, the one who brought fire down on Mount Sinai, the one who brought fire to the altar of Baal in front of Elijah. That's the God of the Scripture. And he's the God that so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son, that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's our God. That's our God. He's not a little old man sitting on his throne in the living room upstairs who dotes around. He is all-powerful just as he is all-loving. His grace and glory are coupled with his might and majesty Habakkuk's vision of God coming from the distance and marching across the land rose to a climax. Having reached the place from which he would execute judgment, God stopped. I love that. He stopped and he stood and then he shook the earth. He shook the earth. Can you, can you even imagine? Can you even imagine God holds the earth in the palm of his hand. It's insignificant to his majesty and glory. It's insignificant to the vastness of space that he commands by the word of his son. It's just a little bitty ball of mass. And he shook it. He shook it. This is our God. Hebrews 12, 26, God will again someday shake not only the earth, but the heaven also. God's timely arrival, God's glorious appearance, and finally God's profound actions. And Habakkuk asked the question. He said, was your wrath against the rivers? Why, why did you say that, Lord? You got something against nature? Well, not really. God's just using nature as an instrument in his hand, as an illustration for what he's about to do. Habakkuk's attention was now drawn from the awesome appearance of God to his description of God's acts. Three questions. Was God showing his wrath at the rivers, at the streams, at the sea? In other words, was God angry? God is not displeased with nature. He was using nature as a tool to demonstrate his power. Do you remember uh, the, the second person of the Godhead who done the very same thing? 
What happened when Jesus Christ met a storm on the lake of Gal- on the Sea of Galilee? Who won that battle? The weather or the Lord? He commands the wind and the waves. He commands the storm. There is nothing in this universe, no matter what kind of power you assign to it, there is nothing that can win against the God who created it. And remember, it was through Christ that all things were created. All things were created for him and by him. And through him, all things are sustained. That's the power of our Savior. And if you're a born-again Christian, guess who's taking care of you? This same Lord, this same Lord that commanded the wind and the waves, this same Lord that had victory over the elements of this earth, this same Lord that, that, that is master of all and subject to none is the one who holds us in the palm of his hand. And he said, no one can take you out of my grip. No one. From the mountaintops to the raging waters to the abyss, nature would declare the glory of God. In the chorus of nature, it was so overwhelming that the sun and the moon stopped to watch. God would not only declare his preeminence over nature, but also over nations. We go on to read that he envisioned, Habakkuk envisioned God as being like a thundering giant who strode through the earth. God was hardly, I I wrote this down, it wasn't tiptoeing through the tulips. He strode the breadth and the width of, of the very earth itself. By the way, I have a, a signed uh, picture uh, of Tiny Tim, if anybody ever wants to see it. Why? <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> but I will not sing Tiptoe Through the Tulips, nor will I play the ukulele. So... And everybody said, praise the Lord. (laughs) By by preserving the people of Israel in this whole history lesson. You know, we we look at the history of what what happened, how God used nature as he brought his people out of of Egypt. He demonstrated his power uh, over Pharaoh with the plagues. He demonstrated his power over the sea of Galilee. He demonstrated his power over the Nile River when he turned it to blood and and the Red Sea. And then he showed his power over the Jordan River. So he demonstrated his power over nature all the way out of Egypt into the promised land. Brothers and sisters, that's the way we get the glory. We get the glory by God demonstrating his power. We don't get there on our own. We can't even come close. We can't even take a step in that direction. But God will demonstrate his power as he ushers us into his presence. Habakkuk envisioned a God being like a thundering giant. He had threshed the nation as an ox treads the grain. The motive of God's judgment is clear. His anger is not vented towards nature or against everybody. His purpose was to crush wickedness and deliver his own. Do not be discouraged, my friends. Do not be discouraged in these tumultuous times. Do not be dismayed. Do not be disillusioned. Do not be discouraged, please. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. 
God will one day soon declare his preeminence over nature and nations again. Justice will prevail and God's people will be preserved. I want to just mention these. If you would uh, consider reading them, please review Revelation 19, Revelation 20, and Revelation 21. We have nothing to worry about, folks. We have nothing to worry about. Point number three, and we wrap this up quickly, Habakkuk's overwhelming peace and joy. His overwhelming peace and joy. Okay, God, I don't have all the answers. I don't know, I don't know why you're going to do it this way. But here's what I'm going to do, Lord. I want to encourage you, just like we got to encourage God, right? I want to encourage you to just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep doing whatever you're doing. I don't always understand it. I don't understand your ways. I don't understand your thoughts, but I'm going to trust you. Because what you do, Lord, is always right, always true, always just. And it will always be for our good and your glory. Have at it, Lord. My heart pounded. My lips quivered. My legs trembled. Habakkuk was so weak he felt like his bones had decayed and there was nothing holding him up. Yet, I quietly waited, he says. Habakkuk would not just endure, but he would rejoice in the Lord and be joyful. God is our inexhaustible source, an infinite supply of joy. Let me say that again. God is our inexhaustible source an infinite supply of joy. The Lord is our unfailing source of strength, confidence, satisfaction, and contentment. God enabled the prophet to ascend to the high places and walk on the heights. He would stand on the mountaintop of victory and triumph. Church, this is God's plan for his people. This is his plan for his people. And in closing, jump for joy. I love this. Despite the impending doom, the prophet stood by faith and declared, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on the high hills. If you translate this from the, from the Hebrew, it literally, uh, it translated joy, it means to spin around and jump. No matter how bad the situation looks right now, I'm going to jump for joy and spin around because God is my strength and my hope. I will glorify in my God. Wiersbe says there's something about our feet. He says God wants us people to have bathed feet. John 13, so we can fellowship with him. He wants his people to have beautiful feet, Romans 10, 15, so we can share the gospel with others. And he wants his people to have bounding feet so we can overcome the obstacles of life. Brothers and sisters, do not be distressed. Our nation is a dark and dangerous place, spiritually, physically. Corruption, violence, lies, deception are the standards of rule. Sexual per perversion beyond comprehension Preschoolers now being caught gender fluidity. America will be judged just like all other nations. But God, oh God, in your wrath, remember mercy.
our deliverer is on his way. And the spirit and the bride say, come, Lord Jesus. Are you ready? Are you ready? We have taken a very rapid journey through the third chapter of Habakkuk. But I think uh, adequately demonstrated that our God is an awesome God. He is an awesome God. And he reigns in heaven and in earth. Is he reigning in your life today? You see, there's two things to consider as we close this time together. If you do not see how bad things are, there's something spiritually wrong with you. If you do see how bad things are and have no hope, there's something spiritually wrong with you. If you see how bad things are, yet you can jump with joy and rejoice over God, our Savior, you're okay. You're okay. So I hope that you are more than okay this morning. I hope that you're a rejoicing saint holding great anticipation for the coming of the Lord Jesus, looking up every day, expecting him to appear in the heavens. I hope with all these parents here this morning and, and all these kids that we've seen come through, I hope and I pray that you are preparing your children and grandparents preparing your grandchildren for the day of the coming of the Lord so that they will not be afraid but they will rejoice in the hope of glory. You see, there's a critical balance, really, when we talk about the awesomeness of our God. In many ways, we've lost our fear and respect for him. But fear and respect of a holy and righteous God doesn't mean we're afraid of him. We just recognize what he's capable of doing if he wants to. And praise God, he will withhold his wrath. On his children. We will never ever experience the wrath of God because Jesus Christ already took it for us. God's wrath was poured out on his son for the sake of everyone who would believe. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm not going to jump. I feel like it. But I am filled with joy this morning because he lives. I can face tomorrow. I started singing that song to myself after a helicopter had come and picked up our son. I started singing that song to myself when I got a call that our daughter had been evac to Kansas City in critical condition. And I told God, all I have is you. That's all I have. That's all I have. But you gotta be enough. You gotta be enough. You see, that's where all the questions come from. Why, 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 how come? but I can face tomorrow because he lives. 
I hope that you have that hope. That's not the absence of questions. That may not be the absence of complaints, but it is the assurance that everything is going to be okay. Amen. Let's stand as we have our song of invitation. If you don't know the Christ, the God of this story, then you don't know the God of Scripture. And if you don't know the God of Scripture, then you can't possibly know His Son. So that's how important this is. We've got, we've got to erase all of these man-made concepts of, of this holy God and get back to what that book says about Him. Don't mess with Him. Don't mess with Him. He wins. Don't mock Him because He'll judge. But if you accept Him, He'll grab you up He'll put his arms around you, and he'll tell you just how special you are and how much he loves you, and you don't have anything to worry about. Have you been there? Yeah. Let's sing our song. If you would like to come to the altar and pray or like to come and talk to one of the pastors or elders as we're up front, feel free to do that. Or even after service, please remember we will be available as, as much as we possibly can to meet with you if you so desire and share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's sing.